All right, let's do this thing. You ready? Yep. Three, two. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fans in Lotion podcast, the only podcast you didn't know you needed. I say to my two friends, you can raise the eyes. I can let you go caught up in the madness of a worn-out show. Say hello, Josh. Have I told you lately that you are a mother bleep? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what he does. Makes me edit. I have to wait a little bit longer. Who else is with us? Brentry, what's going on, buddy? I don't know. What What are you talking about, Josh? I just told him that when he counts down five, four, three, two, to give me a little pause in between the two and talking. Yeah, and he so did. I had to, he gave, Five, four, three, two. Yeah. Now you find your spot. Hey, now. Yeah, now I got to sit here. Like, When's he going to start? Shit. Go back. Bonk. Yeah. So this is this is the fun that you get to do when you do a podcast. Wah, For Brent. Brent's a little bit under the weather, Andy. Did you hear what happened to him? <laughs> Brent has a weird phenomenon happening. Um, He's got pepperoni sinuses. I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all you don't know is that I'm what sitting, you've been gnawing on? I thought we were recording at <laughs> seven o'clock, and I had the phone sitting next to me, and I see Josh right seven o six o five, and I thought, oh, we're gonna bump it up. And I look, and I'm like, oh my god, I got ten minutes, and I got to finish this pizza. And so I was eating the pizza, and the pepperoni was nice and crisp, and I shoved kinda, it up your nose. No, I had my mouth full and I coughed and a little piece of pepperoni flaked oh, up in my nasal our, passages. This is this is what our, they tune in for. Our lady so, listeners are so getting turned up right I have, now. I have my roll of toilet paper here. Because when it comes out, I'll show it to you. Please don't. Uh, how do we <laughs> only have 10 viewers? Um, but uh, <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Less trousers, look at that. more pepperoni. Look at that. You see that? You barely black see on it. Black? Black they should have. They should have outlined it. Uh, it looked yeah. like it should be like tossing like, garbage and fucking like a gray. Look like you're from Repo Man or something. Coincidentally, subsequently, Bob. Oh, there, we there we go. Now fucking everything's back to normal. <laughs> that does not make you look like Tom Selleck, no matter how hard you try. Shit, man. I don't want to look like Tom Selleck. I want to look like TC. <laughs> okay. So, Josh, what are we talking about today? We're here. We're rambling on. Is there something oh. Night Ranger related? Are we See, discussing? your opening should have been what the song that we're going to talk about for the label releases. Um, I, don't, I don't know. What when you need about. a friend through thick and friend, um, through thick and thin. Well, yeah, but I try to keep it. I try to keep it Night Ranger. I, it, but that's kind of related. Right. Mm. So on this episode of Fans in Motion, the podcast that you did not know you need today, we are talking about the 2023 Night Ranger remastered re-releases from Rock Candy. We got Dom Patrol yeah, and Midnight Madness. Madness, madness. Both remastered and reloaded. Get yours today. Pepperoni mm -hmm. Sinus. I was um, skeptical about getting these because I have a few Rock Candy reissues, and I couldn't tell the difference between the reissue. All right, Brentree, What are you and... listening to shit on? No, no. I, the well, Ace got... Fr 
These fairly don't sound any different to me at all. You got a GPX back there somewhere? But my God, the difference in these compared to the old MCA copies. Oh, excuse me. So this is what I'm going to start everything out with this. If you have a garbage stereo CD player, garbage in, garbage out. All right. So if you buy this, and you've got one of these, you know, little CD players, or you got a shitty CD player in your car. Um, realistic by Radio Shack. You know what? Realistic. Some of that shit wasn't too bad. Um, but yes, um, if you got one of those things that have the the cassette player and the record player and um, the CD player all in one. And like if your cat would knock it off the fucking table, it would bust into a thousand pieces. You're not going to hear the difference. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't put this in your CD player, play it through garbage, and then oh, I didn't hear a fucking difference. Well, of course you did it, right? Um, so, uh, you know, listen, you know, you're, you're never, you always want to spend your money on good speakers. Everything else you can kind of have cheap. You always put your money in speakers. I mean, that's where you go. Um, and I don't know what you guys are listening to to it on, but um, I've got it. I listened to one record going through some early 80s Sony speakers that stand about as tall as me. They're fucking beautiful. Love them. Yeah. Um, and then the other record I listened to through a Techniques um, sound system that I or a stereo system that I bought um, from like 1992, I think. But the guy I bought them from had like the invoice. It's just crazy. 1992, this thing was 1800 bucks, right? Jeez. And he's moving. And I think I bought it off of him for 50 bucks. Oh. Uh. And he, I don't think he knew he had the invoice till I was, you know, kind of taking the cabinet and, oh, what's this? He's, oh, shit, that's, you know, like instruction manuals and stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If, you know, if you don't have good speakers, come talk to me. Some people have. Um, old Dave Nadelman and, and I went through a whole system, you know. Um, speakers are the most important Um and after that, probably your turntable, if you're into vinyl. You know, turntable can, and receiver. If you got a shitty receiver, your receiver's not going to push everything to the speakers. So, um, you know. So what you're saying is you need to go buy a good unit. Yeah, definitely. Vintage. Not a, it's not a vintage. little boom box you bought at Walmart. No. You know, and go get vintage, some components. Yeah, I'll tell you, I always go, I usually go vintage, but... um. I do have some newer speakers, but I still tend to go vintage. One thing I do, I go newer with, which is weird, is receivers. Like I, I have vintage receivers, but I, I like the new one. The, like there's a Sony out there, about 180 bucks. Um, it pushes everything loud. Uh, you know, it's got you know your you know hookup for your turntable. It's got you know, different, you know, other inputs and it's got Bluetooth, which is nice, you know, mm -hmm. just to be, you know, if you just need something real quick, you can just switch it to Bluetooth and be playing through there. So, um, 
so a lot of my so one system I have is all vintage um except for the receiver and I used to have newer speakers on it but I got those big ass Sony's yeah. so I put those on there so the newer ones are upstairs so I basically got four and if you look behind me this thing right here this is another vintage techniques um, stereo system i don't even really mess with it right now but um yeah we can't see it your yeah, microphone's yeah, blocking it the, these speakers like this is the speaker here so you can see how tall it is um motherfuckers are loud yeah uh, that's probably why i don't use it. it's a little bit too loud it's like shit man i gotta hang everything back up on my walls um but when i tested it out first damn yankees cassette what i used nice. Andy, what was that Bose thing you and I went to? What was that thing called? Remember when we went to the Bose presentation? Now, do you guys yeah. like do you guys like Bose? Yeah, I have I, a Bose system downstairs. I don't recall. I I know. I uh. You don't remember shit. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I used to back in the day, Josh. You'll appreciate this. I worked at Circuit City. Yeah, and yeah. I worked at Sun TV. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we were able to get a discount, and um, I had a massive, beautiful system, Onkyo. I Onkyo. bought all the individual components. Everything was separate. And I, our DCM speaker rep came in, and he said, hey, I'm making a deal with anybody that wants them. We're closing out a series of speakers. Buy a complete surround sound system of speakers. And they were tower. The, the, the big speakers were this tall. I mean, they were four feet tall. 300 bucks. So I bought the speakers. Bought, I mean, I had this just great system. Overall, it was probably at the time would have cost somewhere around $2,000. And once CD technology came and all that and then got everything in little bookshelf speakers and systems, I got rid of it all. And I kicked myself daily because like I told you before we started, I don't have a CD player in my house. I had to go in my car to listen to the CDs. I don't have a. You have a Blu-ray or DVD player. That works. Yeah, but again, what, my TV yeah, speakers. Yeah, again, you're. You know. I don't know if you hook it up to us. Now, what I would tell but you, I'm saying I don't have a system. I don't have anything. I, I have my iPhone. What I would tell you to do is go on as much as I hate them, and I had to get off because I was buying. If you go over to this next room, I could, I literally could, pro, not not with speakers, okay, but with components, I could make you probably seven receiver cassette deck. Yeah, um, tune tuners or you know, whatever I don't know, like the mix, you know, board, the EQs, the yeah. equalizer, um, and the uh, what I say, uh, receiver, cassette deck, CD player. I have that many because if I'm out like at a thrift shop, and yeah. it's and it's five bucks, like, I yeah. just I just bought a Sony five deck for five bucks, six bucks, and I'm like, I just can't pass it up. It's like Casablanca on DVD. I own 50 fucking copies of the motherfucker just because I'm like, I can't. I just bought one again the other day for a buck. I'm like, so hey, if you, you know, if you're ever out, you ever need a copy of Casablanca on DVD, just let me know. I'll well, that being said, show. so right down the street from me is a, here in, in Nashville is a used bookstore called McKay's. <laughs> it's got like a half price books, but it's only, I think there's only two or three locations. They're just here in Tennessee. But uh, they have a whole section of components. And, yeah. uh, They've got... I go up there, I look at them, and they're not too bad. Like, you can get, like, a receiver for, like, 50 bucks. 
You know, oh, it's not bad. Too much, too much, too much. And I'm thinking, man, I could, and they have a lot of like the old Onkyo, like the stuff I had. I'm like, I could probably rebuild my system mm. for, you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, that should, I mean, you, the real good vintage stuff, I mean, you're looking at 300, 500 bucks yeah. for a receiver. You're talking about the shit that had like tubes in it, right? I mean, the, not me, it. not yeah. on that, but yeah. Yeah. But, um, so some of that shit's really expensive. Um, I mean, well, Brent and I grew up I, in that. And, and, and our era was those tower systems. Remember, they were in a cabinet with yes, a glass door. And that's mm. what I'm talking like about. Pioneer. Too. My brother yeah. was a big pioneer guy. I I, I love pioneer. To me, no, pi- to me, pioneer and Sony and techniques. It's just no, no matter what you get, those ones always come through. Um, but uh, go on Facebook Marketplace. And, I've done, yeah, I've looked. Yeah, and you can usually buy them all together. Like uh, the techniques there and this one here, I bought all together less than 50 bucks for the speakers, you know, the uh, the case, everything, um, the stand and, you know, everything is just less than 50 bucks. And I think I got an AT, A-team lunchbox, too, because he had that sitting off the side. I'm like, you getting rid of that? And he goes, you know, yeah, you can have it. I'm like, I'll give you five bucks for it. Shit. You know, a little eighteen lunchbox mm. action, but I pity uh, the fool that let that go. But I had to stop because I was fucking buying. You know, again, I was buying this shit. Like I bought, and she didn't have speakers, but she had all Sony components. And you know, I meet this girl in this fucking dingy garage, right? You know, like I hope I leave with two kidneys. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, her boyfriend from South Carolina, they broken up, and his shit was in there forever, and she was done with it, and. You know, 25 bucks, I get, you know, nice vintage Sony. Uh, Put that shit in my hand. Yep. Hopefully he's not a listener. That what I was going to say before you guys change my Bose story. Yeah, so what happened with Bose? Bose Acoustic Wave is what Andy and I went to see. Andy, did you remember seeing that? And by the way, where else we did had, you go? We had to have an appointment through WOW, and I got an appointment. And you and I went out by Tri-County to see this in this little office room. And they had a box in front of it, and we could hear it. And when they pulled the box up, because it sounded it, the room was full, it the thing room. was like that a thousand bucks for a little teeny radio about this big. And I remember people just writing checks, buying that. And Andy yeah, and I, I looked at each other thinking, yeah. we can't afford that. My dad has dollars. one of those acoustic waves, they're pretty nice. I, I wouldn't spend the money on it, but it's pretty sharp. Anyway, I'm, like, I'm, I'm about I'm about fifty percent with Bose. Like I had a p- pair of Bose speakers, power speakers, power it's speakers. Good mar- it's good marketing, and I just never liked them. I eventually gave them to my brother. If um, you were but... a fan of Paul Harvey, <laughs> Bose, he always oh, you want a wave? Get a Bose. You never find a better stereo system. You never have a better neighbor than a Walmart. But the uh the beast has bows and those are fucking excellent. So yeah, um, fifty fifty on those. So last hey, this is pretty riveting. What else we got? <laughs> so last November we had uh, these released. We have the Dawn Patrol, <laughs> Midnight Madness, and we'll go through those. They have like the liner notes and everything else with them. But there's also the other releases that they've had. Um for. Night Ranger related, damn Yankee Shaw Blade. So we'll look at those as well. Now, Brent, I think you mentioned that you had um that you had a couple of the Ace Freely ones, correct? Yeah. So 
There's second sighting. I don't have that one. I had trouble walking. So with these, usually what's cool is they'll put the uh, the hype sticker actually on the CD and not on the cellophane. So you don't yeah. have to try to rip it off. If you're a collector, they kind of realize. So, um, And then what they're really known for, besides the remastering, is the booklet. They will have a 30, you know, 3,500-word um, booklet. Um, and it's usually really good stuff, stuff you you know most people won't know. Um, so, you know, with Ace Freely, you got second sighting and you got trouble walking. Now, sometimes Rock Candy will do um, bonus tracks if they can. Neither of these have a bonus track mm -hmm. on it. Um, an album everybody should own. Just, I have the original version of that well, on CD. I got the original too, brother. But yeah, you got to have this as well, just because it's remastered. Um, all right, so this is the Scream album came out in 1991. Great record. Uh, basically features John Karabi, who Motley Crue, Nikki Six, Tommy Lee heard him singing, and that's what got him into the crew and on the great record released in 1994 um this does have a lot of bonus tracks on it so um they don't really late so there's 12 tracks on the original they put 13 songs on this record they don't label the 13th song as a um a bonus track but it is it's a song called young and dumb which isn't on the original record but it was on the um Asino man soundtrack there's a night ranger damn yankees connection there um and then the bonus tracks on here are bonus tracks live at the Marquee Club, Orange County, Los Angeles, 1992. So they have five songs from the record and an Aerosmith cover, Lick and a Promise. So you got the Scream. Now, some of these, they didn't, I don't know if they're just ones that came out earlier, but they don't have the um, hype stick. Mm -hmm. Now, the one good thing is it's easy. Like, if you got, like, 2,000 CDs like I do, if you look on the side there, all their CDs have this little, I don't know what the fuck it is, like a skull, skull or something. Uh, so you can find them right away. But here's Y&T, um, and they do have a bonus track um, on here, Somebody For Me, so Black Tiger. I think they also did. Um... Now, is that on the Unearthed as well? I have, I have the Unearthed stuff. Volumes one and two. I do not know. Here, what's the song called? Somebody for me. I'm gonna check it out and see. Hey, I, I give uh, while you guys are looking at stuff, I'll give Rock Candy a lot of props, man. They're they're really good at what they do. They cannot make Ace Frehley sound any better, though. What are you Trouble Walking is one of the they greatest should, Ace albums ever. Call that thing about, Curly. Trouble singing. <laughs> um, a. Band? I love Ace. He's just not a great singer. A very underrated. Uh, I think Lance Rushing likes this record a lot. Um, Diving for Pearls was a band that came out 89, I, if I remember correctly. How this comes into the Night Ranger world was this mm -hmm. is one of the first bands that David Prater produced. So um, if you like, you know, that 80s hard rock and you're wanting something new, 
go check out Diving for Pearls. Um, Do you remember what we learned from that unreleased episode of David Prater for that album? Uh, I learned a lot of things. I remember. No, no, but about Diving, diving for Pearls. I don't remember, I guess. The guitar player um, sometimes acted. He, he, had, he had a couple friends in Hollywood. And he was on the Seinfeld episode to when Jerry didn't want to, or Kramer didn't want to wear the, the ribbon. And it was for like gay pride or what have you, or, or a walk. And he's in a leather coat and his hair's pulled back, greased back. He's like, why don't you want to wear the ribbon? That's that's a guitar player for Diving for Pearls. Well, there you go. Is it this guy there? There's a guy with the slick back hair. I don't know. Probably, I, I couldn't tell you um, which one, but he's there. Now, when, when you said actor, I remember the Seinfeld yeah. came up in that. So, uh, But this has five bonus tracks as well. The looks like they were demos and a couple of live tracks. <laughs> and then, I don't know if you guys remember this young lady. Yep. Yeah. Love this take. No, 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 no. Wait, not Soraya. But I remember Fiona. Um, She has a duet on here with Kip Winger. Everything <clears throat> you do, you're sexing me. Ooh. That could be fucking Brent's fucking... Uh, it's a theme song. Theme song. Um, sounds, like a Kip... Paul, sounds like a Paul Stanley lyric. Uh, not with Kip Winger. Ugh. Um, but uh, anyways, Fiona, I don't know if it'll tell me right away, but the Night Ranger connection, um, if it will tell me exactly. So the Cincinnati well, connection is we got uh, a hippo named Fiona in our that's, zoo. That's what I was going to go with, but I thought well, I'd let it. <laughs> one song was produced by Keith Olsen, who produced um, Man in Motion. Um, great man in motion should always lead with that. The great oh, the logo productions, is that right? Um, anyways, uh, Brad Gillis plays a solo on here, so he's pretty good. Musicians, singers, etc. Brad Gillis, Jamie Hunting from uh, Union, right there behind you. Uh, Rod Morgenstein, which was in Winger, Weasel yeah. Zappa. Um, so anyways, the weasel buddy. So this would have been right after you know Night Ranger Weezing broke up, and Brad Gillis making an appearance, you know, getting some studio work in, a little bit of cash. <laughs> now we go to the Night Ranger related um <sighs> releases, and here is one of them. That I didn't know that was out. That uh, Josh would tell me about that. Yesterday, you and I were talking. I was like, "Damn, I, I now, now that I will pick up." It, it, I, I mean, does it? What's the sound on? I mean, what what, I what was needed? Honestly, to be don't know if I can remember. Uh, you're it, it's probably going to be louder. You know, it's probably you know. Uh, well, not I, uh, <laughs> just one. You know, because ninety five, they're still uh, you know still have that little bit of dullness in the sound. So, but unfortunately, I don't know more than that. Um, that was a full CD. digital recording, if I remember right. Am I correct on that? Originally, right? Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, they were in a full swing, probably of digital. Everything was digital back then. We hadn't had this retro analog. I mean, the only thing, only thing I can tell you here is mastered in high definition by John Astley for close to the edge mastering an audiophile recording from the original master sound shaped from 24-bit digital tools via... How are technology? So now, 
I will tell you this. I went to order that um, right before Christmas. Because Amazon had lowered them to $9.99. Oh, wow. And the day I went to order it, they were sold out. Oh, lousy Amazon. Now there, there is no bonus tracks on here. Um, but you can see the expanded booklet. I thought they had bonus tracks on it. I thought it would have the two bonus tracks from Japan, yeah. but it did I thought not. it did. So you can see. And here's the thing, too, is they actually, I think, talked to Jack and Tommy about this record. So a lot of the stuff in here is, um, you know, straight from them. Um, you know, I'll just read. So, so for The Night Goes On, which we did exactly that, taking inspiration from Bad Company. I also think some of the vocals on Don't Talk to Me Anymore were done the same way, um, staring up at the stars at night. That was the great thing with Don. He'd take these ideas on board and wasn't merely locked into the conventional ways of doing things. Um, they talked to Michael Cardelloni, who uh, played on the record. Uh, Steve Smith from Journey played on the record. Um Steve Smith, here's a little bit of him talking. Jack and I used to be neighbors in Marin County region of California. I moved there in September of 78 when I joined Journey. Jack literally lived around the corner from me and was in a band called Rubicon, who eventually became Night Ranger, and we always stayed in um, touch. You know, they talk about the sessions. Here's a damn Yankees photo of Jack. Um, can you still hear me? I hit a button. Yeah. Um, and... uh you know, they talk about a lot of the recording. Um, here is another yeah, Jack's know, studio. I think that's been colorized. It's at least something different there. Another picture, Jack and Tommy. Um, and there's a picture of Tommy. Now, in the original booklet, do you remember the photo of the there's two kids? Two two young kids playing guitar. Yeah, it's is his kids. So I didn't ask Jack about it. I should have. But remember, I was telling you off air where me and Jack were listening to this in the car and he was thumbing through the booklet. He got to that photo. Okay. It's a photo of Jack and Tommy as kids, right? Oh, okay. And, wow. you know, black and white. And I always, you know, I, did, I, I know they didn't know each other as kids, right? So that's Photoshop. That's Jack and his brother. Yeah. And they photoshopped Tommy's face on there. <laughs> this is before Photoshop. They did a I'm really. I'm gonna go get it. I'll be right they, back. Keep they, talking. Yeah. They did a really good job on it. But you know, I always wanted to ask him, and I never did, and just be happened to get lucky that he was thumbing I through that. I don't remember that. I mean, clearly, I mean, yeah. that's not a shock. Oh shit! Well, right here, Brett. They put he, it. <laughs> he's gone. That's where they put it. So you can see that's Jack and Tommy, and that's Jack's original photo. And they, so you see how you can't tell where the, you know, yeah, you th so that's Jack, and then then Tommy's, you know, the one higher up, sitting there. Hey, Brett, that, I found it. It's on that's the cool. That's pretty cool. It's on the CD tray. Oh, it's in the tray. Yeah. So yeah, that's an what original. That that original picture. Not is, the original one. It's not. Well, I'm saying that's the original photo of Jack and his brother, and they put Tommy's face on there. Like I said, they did such a good job. I'd never. That's pretty cool. You know, yeah, you're right. Well, this one's black and white, that picture. 
Yeah, that one's color. I was like, it didn't seem like. Well, it was that... probably color to begin with, you know. Okay, here's. Yeah, so you can see the book's entirely different. And, you know, the photo, that photo is actually on the tray of the um, the new one. So, and I'll read to you what the the hype sticker of this um Shaw Blaze release collector's edition mastered in high definition. Night Ranger and Sticks pair go wild in the country. Um, co-produced by Don Gaiman, Jack Blaze Shaw includes these songs. 16-page full-color booklet, 4,000-word essay with new interviews, enhanced artwork, and previously unseen photos. The next one you got in the Night Ranger world is Damn Yankees from 1990. Oh. Now that's got a bonus track, done it? That's the first CD I ever bought. <laughs> um, the bonus track is Bone, Bone Stripper, which w originally appeared on the Nothing, Nothing but, but Trouble, Trouble soundtrack. soundtrack. Nothing but Trouble is a weird ass movie, by the way. It was a weird ass um, movie. You know, um. If you ever, you know, have a problem like jerking off and like you want to stop, just put on the Dan Aykroyd scenes um, in that movie, man. That guy, he's he, like the like rotting judge. Oh, it's just a weird ass movie. Tupac's yeah. in it. That's kind of cool. Is he really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, what the fuck was his rap band uh, with uh, Flavor Flav? Um, Tupac no, he was, he he was in um, Digital Underground. Yeah, Digital Underground. That's what it is. I'm the um, one who said grab run the biscuit. So uh so damn Yankees fully remastered audio uh includes bonus track Bone Stripper, which I originally think if you go back to our damn Yankees episode where we break down that record, I think that song was originally titled not I want to say this side of hell, but that's on the don't tread something Hell's Kitchen, I think is what it was called. And I think Hell's Kitchen morphed into Bone Stripper. But uh, um, so anyways, it does have that Bone Stripper uh, bonus track. Like I said, it was on the movie Nothing But Trouble. Um, do, 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 do anything else in here? Let's see here. Yeah, we'll get the booklet out, see what we got, anything good. So there's, you know, classic photo there. Rock and Roll Outlaws, man. And that's a Kill song they covered by Rose Tattoo. Ted Lee Von Nugentberger. I think this is more of a Don't Tread era photo. Ron Nevison's who they talked to in here. Um well, at least they he went he did something. <laughs> so here's a little tidbit off. The man chosen to produce the vital debut album was Ron Nevison, who seemed very suited to the task given his track record of working with the likes of Led Zeppelin, Bad Company, UFO, and Ozzy. However, Nugent had his own amusing explanation for choosing Ron to produce this most American of bands. We were doing charity work for a homeless rehab shelter recognized Ron and immediately came to his brotherly aid. His track record is Thor-like, so he um, qualified as a genuine damn Yankees Sonic bombast teammate. Blades, though, has a more straight 
straightforward explanation for the choice. Now, if you would listen to our Big Life episode, you would know this. Ron was supposed to do the fourth Night Ranger album, but something went wrong and it didn't happen. Which, that would have been Big Life. We all loved his work with other bands. Um, also, Warner Brothers wanted some adult in charge because nobody had any idea how it would work with all of us in the studio. Ron had tons of hit records, and he was used to working with a lot of crazy egos. Ron was our guy from the very first moment. So there, you get you know, those types of um, you know interviews. Here's a photo I've never seen before besides in this booklet, Jack and Tommy. So there you go. That's the uh, first damn Yankees record on Rock Candy. Um, there you go. Sounds like a bunch of damn Yankees to me. Now, wasn't Ron doing the Heart album at the time? Ron did Heart? No, well, well it, it might I, be Crazy I, Nights. If um, they're recording in 86, Ron recorded Crazy Nights. Now, that might have been early 87. Crazy Nights started like in 87, early well, 87, because it yeah. came out, what, September yeah. 87? I think all the records came out in, 80, in September back then. But, uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, it could be Heart. Um, it could be you know the kiss i mean i thought it was heart i thought that's what he was doing well yeah i know he did heart around there but uh and then um you got don't tread no hype sticker um now this does have bonus tracks it has where are you going now live and high enough live now those tracks you can find those live versions on the european singles so they're not really new if you're a collector, but you know, you can get them on here. So where are you going now live and high enough are the bonus tracks on the don't tread. Um, <clears throat> now so what you, you haven't said is how do they all sound? Listen, I didn't sit down. Well, and, but I mean, just from um, your recollection, I mean, usually, I, I usually what I notice on these is the bass and drums. Um, yeah. I don't ever, I don't ever remember thinking, wow, I don't hear much of a difference right now. I didn't sit down and make notes like I did on these new night ranger albums, but, uh, um, you know, usually the bass and the drums are a little bit higher in the mix. And like with shawl blades, it's just a lot of times, like with acoustics, like it seems like they bring the chords out more. So if you're playing a chord, then certain like individual notes, it's always the individual notes that you hear. And the chords just kind of like are in the background, you know, being held out. And I tend to think like on the acoustic songs for Shaw Blades, you could hear those chords a little bit more. And the same thing, like it's the same thing on Play Rough on these new ones, you know, dan 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 dan. Okay, the you know the yeah the plucking the picking, but on the new remasters, the chords that they play at the beginning of each measure actually ring out. You can hear them ringing out, and then that the, you know the actual individual notes being played over it, which you always hear, but you can actually hear the the chord that's played at the very beginning ringing out over that. So with acoustics, that's kind of what I remembered off of Shaw Blades. Yeah. 
with this the pepperoni yeah yeah i think it was an anchovy but uh um with these it's generally the base and the uh um the base and the drums but you also got to remember you know these albums i think were produced and are just a little bit better audio than what you were getting 10 Early years early range. yeah right you know what i'm saying um and then with the ace freely i mean you're just you know you're trying to polish a turd um now this isn't a remaster but this that's is what i was trying to say this trouble this... walking is a freaking incredible album period i like I it's a bad i album. like i like trouble walking you know uh it's all right i mean it's ace right it's it's one of his better albums it's but... yeah you know, but like for Ace, Five Card Stud, that's a good song. Now for any other band, it's uh, it's all right. You know, but when I saw him back in 2014, they opened with Five Card Stud. Written by, written by. Well, uh, Reggie Scarlett. Mark Ferrari of Keel. Nah, don't care. All right. So anyways, we're talking about Rock Candy, but I, I saw this and I wanted to get it because there's, Don't Tread has been released on another label since Warner Brothers and Rock Candy. So if you look at it, it looks the same, but this is the only difference. So you see Damn Yankees Don't Tread there, right? That's not on the original release. It didn't have a see-through tray. Um, on the back, it's totally different. I'll hide a couple things here. So you can see it's just the sky and everything. I think on the back of the regular CD from Warner Brothers and everything. Um, uh, you can get them. They're just right on the other side of this wall. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's I think it's this right here kind of picture on the back, but it's them in the pickup truck. All right, you can go get it if you want, but that's the picture. So you have that. So it's a different photo. But like I said, if you're ever out and you see, oh, I got 18 copies of this. If you see that, this is the one you want to get, and I'll show you the back of it when Brent gets back here. Did you ever know there's so many Night Ranger nerds out there, Andy, that love this shit? Well, if you look at the numbers of our page, I would. <laughs> it's still, I mean, humbling. Man, we're it, we're getting to 10,000. It, it really, I mean, I say this in all honesty, it, it really <laughs> astonishes me. Because I again, I, I still come from that mindset where I, I still feel like I was the only one who, me and Brent and maybe you were holding that candle for him and then, you know. Well, the uh, thing I, I've got, I've got all kinds of friends now that I never knew I needed. The thing is, you had Brent. Like I never had anybody growing up. Yeah. All right. So that's the cover. That's what's on the back. So this is the the back that you'll see for this, and then look at the label. Collectibles, and right. what's what's their website? Oldies dot com. So yeah, collectible oldies <laughs> are reissuing. And this was reissued in 2003. Um, it looks like I hate, it's... I hate to hear that as oldies. Um, it is. It was from Rhino, so it's a branch of Rhino. But anyways, yeah, if you want a copy, go to oldies.com. You can get that and, you know, the best of the platters. Um, <laughs> all right, so here we are with the two new releases. Bang-a-dink-a-dink-a-dink-a-dink-a-dink. All right, so... Um, and let me say, I, I, I didn't get these until I talked to Dave Nadelman 
And neither of you and, fuckers did. I couldn't get an episode. And Brent. Because um, to... Brent Brent got him. Native one said they're really good. And then I talked to Brent. And Brent's like, because I said, you know, is do I need to get him? I mean, is it All that right, wait, dramatic? And wait. Brent said. The Dolman. Yeah, the Dolman. Yeah. I mean, you know me. I always mispronounce the names. What did I say since you don't remember anything? Uh, well, I just, I remember, I don't remember the wording, but I remember I asking you, are these worth it? And you're like, yeah, you're going to love them. Get them. And I just went and bought them. Like after I took off the phone with Brian, I just ordered them and got them. And, yeah. And, I told, uh, yeah, I told uh, you I had not heard things on certain songs in my life until I got those CDs. Well, pleasantly surprised because these early, the, we all have talked about the, the early albums sounded so thin and tinny and not, just not well, mastered well. And myself, my my doubt on these was, since we had spoken about the Universal Fire, and granted, these aren't remixed, they're remastered. Um, you know, from what you even thought, Josh, all the original tapes were burned up. So whatever they did to purify the sound on these things and uh, Lake, bring it, bring uh, it up. They Titicaca. dipped them in Lake Minnetonka. Mm, well, Josh and I went to the same spot. Um, yeah. Um, well, I know originally I had these, and I was like, "Let's do an episode." And like, we I think Brett had, Brett had one, you had none. I'm like, all right, well, thank God. I was waiting got... on the other one for a month and a half to get delivered. Yeah, whatever. Mine. I had man. the audio though. Hell, man, find me. Uh, all right. So, the first record. Bam, here we go. A collector's edition remastered and reloaded. Fully remastered audio, one of the finest AOR debut albums of all time. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, produced by Pat Glasser. Um, includes this. Includes Don't Tell Me You Love Me, Sing Me Away, and Can't Find Me a Thrill. Cupcakes. I'm trying to figure out what the other band is. It's Jafria and... And Blood. Refugee. Okay. I don't know who the fuck refugees um well they were worth putting on here um anyway 16 page full color booklet 4500 word essay with new band interviews enhanced artwork and previously unseen photos so here's the back of the record if you go back to our kelly kagi interviews we talks about this photo shoot um So here is the actual disc. Simple. I love it. Yeah. Here is a tray. Also available, Midnight Madness. Reissue credits. See if there's anything really new in there. Now, they talked to Jack, Kelly, Brad, and John Van Ness, who did the original mastering on the record. Mm. Night Ranger would like to think this is from the original album, by the way. Uh, Gary Peel, Ozzy and Sharon, Sammy Hagar, and all the friends on Boardwalk. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Um, take this out here. We'll see what we... So, you know, I really like... This is why they, they need to talk to one of us. Why do we got 
Big Life, Greatest Hits. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Don Raiders um, talks a little bit about Rubicon. Bradley Gillis. Let's see here. Uh, they talk about stereo. Stereo played new wave music, really. We had a lot in common with Blondie, The Cars, and Duran Duran. But a lot of the songs, which wound up on the first Night Ranger album, did have its origins with this band. One of these was Penny, which you would have known that before this record if you were to listen to our interview with Johnny Cola from Huey Lewis in the News, who was in the last incarnation of Rubicon and was... In an early version of stereo singing on some demos. Um, things changed the music business by the time we toured for that second Rubicon record. Adds Keggy, everybody wanted punky, more modern bands. We tried to fit into what the labels wanted by becoming stereo. Um, you know, strangely, we came across these tapes not long ago. They're on eight track and reel to reel. One song I know we had back then was called Diary of a Madman. Um, which, you know, we have posted on the page. There is a live video of that. So, um, and all, I think stereo lasted a little bit more than six months before we gave up on that idea. So, you know, it's good information stuff in there. Picture Jeffrey Watson. Um, they talk about doing the demos. Gary Peel's home studio. Alan Fitzgerald knew him. Um, the four tracks done during this session were Let Him Run, Penny, Sister Christian and Hang On, which if some of you don't know, Hang On was a song on their original demo, just like I said here. Never made it on the first record. It's on um, High Road, right? Yeah. It's on High Road. They just kept the chorus. The verses are different. I think Kelly talks about that in one of our interviews yeah. we did with him. If not, I do remember him, you know, must've been, it's either on the interview or we were talking about it. And I remember him talking about showing it to his dad and his dad really liking the lyrics and stuff to that, that song. So there you go. You get stuff like that. Um, then you talk more about the, uh, you know, the demo and stuff that they did. Um, they talk about the recording sessions. Um, what I remember most from that interview is him talking about the demos. And one of us said, you need to release this. Nobody wants to hear that. Oh, they said that. I remember, I don't know, we were talking, I was talking to Kelly, one of the first times I ever really talked to him. And I think we were talking about seven wishes. And I was asking like, if there's any demos and, you know, Nah, nobody wants that stuff like like it's just sitting out there and i'm like no you're wrong and like th from their viewpoint it's like you know when it's all said and done right if someone's going to go out and find sentimental street they don't want them finding some shitty demo of it right they want them listening to how they you know wanted it to be and not some shitty demo you know my response is well fuck those guys right you know yeah, but they, you know, I they can't I, search. They can't search better on YouTube, than not to get the demo. Yeah, I'm a fan of watching and seeing how the song progresses. I mm -hmm. love hearing demos of songs, mm -hmm. and you hear the the finished version, like, wow, that's interesting to see yeah. the progress, or to see 
even what a producer does when they get it in the studio, the producer goes, oh. yeah, yeah. Like this is what we brought in and this is what it came out. Well, or you'll, you'll hear a song where it's three different songs in one lyrically. It's two songs, but the music is a totally different song Yeah, that, you know, but I mean, that's something, I mean, I just love that stuff. Someone who really hates demos. I just know from interviews and stuff and just hanging out with him, Roger Daltrey from the who guy, you know, he's like, I, I don't, he doesn't really have any control over it, but he would never release a demo at all. Really? Um, and then if you really want to see what a producer does or how songs really change, go find the demo for um, Kickstart My Heart. It's basically the same song and it's and they've put it on like their remaster, you know, reissues and stuff like Crucial Crew and everything. They've put it on as a bonus track. So it's out there. But kickstart my heart, right? Like you, even to this day, you put it on. You know, you, you fucking get a little bit of lead in your foot. Your car's going a little bit faster than it should, right? You know that song's got such power. Listen to the demo. Really? All right. One, the verses are okay, but it gets to the chorus, and we know the chorus has got that. Oh yeah. yeah. On the demo, it's not that. It's uh-huh. ooh ah. Yeah, I have heard that. And I might have done it more manly right there than what's <laughs> on the demo. And also look at the, um, and it was always in interviews. They, I remember Nikki talking about Dr. Phil Good in interviews. Cause remember that's the first album they did with Bob Rock. And they're, you know, usually like, well, what's the difference with working on Bob Rock? And he talked about bringing Dr. Phil Good in and brought Bob took him to the side and said, these lyrics are not good enough. You've got to change them. Now you're talking to someone that's got four big albums in the eighties, right? You know, they're just coming off theater of pain and shout the devil and girls, girls. And it's the first, you know, you got to change these. But when you hear the original lyrics, you know, and that's out there as well, you get, you know, why Bob rock was, but you know, that's what good producers do. Um, You know, I mean, think how great Metallica was. And then you take that greatness and you make the black album. Now you always get to, you know, the people out there, oh, I know Masters of Puppets. Yeah, I fucking love Masters of Puppets too, but you can't deny the greatness of the black record. Mm. All right. Can you hear that? <laughs> no. Wow. I unfortunately can hear you. I um not not as yeah. big as crew and all that, but I uh I've even posted on my my personal Facebook page. The demo version of uh, "Smooth Up" from Bullet Boys, um, who I'm a fan of, and it's it's you can hear the the song, you can hear that you know, you can hear where the genesis of it, but the product the finished version is so rocking. But it, I love it, you know. Mick mm-hmm. Mick Sweet actually he posted it. He's like, "Oh my god, look what I found! This is our demo of this song." Yeah, I, I mean, again, and and demos, I love stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and demos are. I mean that's all it is. It's your, you know, your first crack yeah. at it. You know, it's my rough draft. I'm bringing on, it in on, rec- you know, as you know, on tape, and you know that's, you know, all I'm sure. You know, obviously there's, you know, there's other tons of those stories could be with a tons of other songs. You know, we just don't know. I mean, don't tell me you love me. Could been, you know, it could have had a ska part in the middle of it or something. You know, fits. man, 
kind of said, Hey guys, let's drop that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, back to the, the booklet here. Um, you know, again, they talk about Brad talks about, uh, um, you know, talks about the recording studio. You got a picture of Kelly there. Um, they talk about a little bit of Kagi going with Ozzy. Um, I mean, Gillis. Or, yeah, whatever, one of those guys. Um, so, um, Blades, though, had his own personal situation to face. My wife was pregnant at the time with our second son. I flew home to San Francisco for the weekend when the baby was due, but nothing happened. So I flew back to L.A. to carry on recording, and no word... Um, and no word of a lie. I got off the plane, went to the studio. As I walked in, the receptionist was there holding the phone in her hand. She said to me, it's for you. It was my wife who told me her water had just broken. I turned right around, got on the next flight to San Francisco. Uh. My son was born at 2.30 a.m. And at 9 a.m. I was on the plane heading for the studio. It was an insane time. So you get, like I said, you just get some cool stories. Uh, like I, now here's a photo I've never seen. I don't know if it's a yeah. still or something, but. You know, Jack and Brad being really happy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, here's another picture of Brad not as happy. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, so the booklets are great. The audio is great. Um, now, I took some time and listened to these and made some notes. I'm sure Andy and Brent did as well um <laughs> exactly so, that yeah uh so just some little things um so i th think it's um a little important to like again i talked a little bit about what my two stereos i i play these on now, i got a turntable in the living room but not a cd player so <clears throat> mm. on patrol i listen to upstairs with the techniques um and I'm a little bass heavy on that one. So um so I if you're looking at your bass, it would be probably um on it it would be like over to the right to a two. I always just do it as a clock, right? So in this case it does match up, you know, if you take it over to the right to a two, but as as if you looked at it as a clock, it would be um it would be two two p.m. two o'clock. The treble I have is a one to the left, or eleven p.m. All right. So basically, the trebles turned down from a little bit in the balance, and the bass is turned up. So that is kind of how I had it going. <clears throat> now, don't tell me you love me. The first thing I noticed, you know. Dun 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 was the fucking kick drum. Yeah. They turned that kick drum up to where you know when that dun 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 you can feel that fucking kick drum hit you. I mean, I that was right away, first thing I um that that's kind of my takeaway. I mean, I listened to him in my car. Don't be stealing my fucking notes. Driving to work. I got it written down. I can share. Yeah, I, got... I don't think he uses the kick drum in that beginning part. That's just Tom's. Yeah, well, it... No, what I'm saying is my point is the drums are very prominent. They're very punchy. 
And as a as a drummer, I love it. I mean, that's the way I think all mixes should be. Now, listen, you guys are the drummers, so you so you're you know, um, so you're probably wrong. It probably is actually the kick drum. Uh, you know, because you know, uh, the rest of us out here in the world are musicians. Um, but regardless of uh, what it is, I mean, you. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a combination of four tom kick drum whatever. All I know is the motherfuckers turned up and mm. it. You know, you it's feel there. that boom, and even going into the verses, that kick drum is, um, you know, pretty prominent. Uh, again, now just overall, the bass is higher, the drumming's higher. Um, if you want to hear Jack's playing, you want to get these records and get nice speakers. Um, because all of Jack's playing is higher, but I'll pinpoint some places to really look at. One thing I noticed there is, um, you know how it breaks out of the chorus or the uh, guitar solo. You love me, you love you. It's always had that highness, you mm -hmm. know. Um, there's something more there. I can't explain it, but it's you deeper can, sounding. You can. It's it's. There's more there. Um, deeper however you want it to me i could just hear maybe if there were three voices i could hear five now i don't know what it is but there's something yeah there there um so that's what i had you know from don't tell me you love me now if there's i'm going to keep going to songs so if there's something you guys want to inject on the song just you know chime in uh so sing me away one the thing keyboards. I oh, the keyboards sound great on that album. That song. The, the keys during the verses, especially. Yeah, that's what um, I'm referring to. Is more prominent. So you just hear the keys more than you would probably the guitars that you would in the other mix. And then during the um <clears throat> the really the I think it was more like the second verse. I seem like there's a couple times, and I went back and listened to a couple of them. It seems like they would build some stuff up bass wise or drum wise in the second verse or not the second verse, the second chorus and not build it up as much in the first chorus or the third chorus. Um, but uh, the bass during the solo or going through the second chorus into the solo, you just never really heard that as prominent as I did on here. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, in those original mixes that weren't that great, I mean, the guitar solos, the guitar solo in Sing Me Away is one of the best guitar solos in the Night mm -hmm. Ranger catalog. So, of course, that's going to be higher in the mix. Um, but in this case, you know, you got those solos and then you hear Jack just playing in the background. And uh, and it starts really in that second second course going into the solo. I just heard, like I said, Jack's playing, uh, you know, just really sticking out. But like I said, Brent said, you know, the keyboard, especially during the verses, just jump out yeah. of that song. You can hear them. What would what, what, you call it? Would you call it? Um, um, I think in the original, to me, in the original. The sustain, the. Uh, well, the, yes. Well, I the sustain, or I kind of call it um, a lot of times. You know, you play, you play a, like Paul Stanley does it a lot, especially live, plays a chord, right? And lets it ring, just lets it ring. 
out, you know, and right. um, to where a lot of these mixes, like on this, you would hear, you know, dun, 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 dun. but, you know, you might hear these keyboards or maybe Jack's bass hold out. The notes are actually held out and those are brought up. So like the, I, not necessarily so much, I think in this song to where, you know, sometimes I dream on for hours. Dun, dun, dun. You you hear Kelly's voice and you hear that um, that guitar chugging along. Dun, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. To where this actually has these keyboard parts that are back there and they're brought up. Um, you yeah, know, they're I more mean, prominent than they yeah. once were. Uh, so, um, so with the next song. Um, at night she sleeps. You know, yeah, I just yeah, I don't really listen to that song too much. But uh, uh, the "Are You Sleeping?" Are yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> Before it starts, there's some ones that aren't as high on the regular version. You know, regular version. You definitely hear those. Like, I, I, I the first time I got the record, I had it on in the. And another thing I would tell you to do too is listen to listen to it like I had it on one time I was in the kitchen I had it on the bedroom now I got nice speakers so I could hear it but it blocks out you know some of the stuff and like it was basically vocals and jack space and I'm just hearing jack do everything you know going yeah. and so that's why I tell you another thing is but don't just Put it on and listen to it right in front. Um, you know, put it on in the background. That's how I heard. I heard. Wait a second, that kicked in a couple bars early, and I'm like, well, no, that was always there, but it was just never as prominent. Um, and also, where how your speakers are set up is another thing. You know, if your speakers are pointed at each other, like my ones downstairs, I I have them set up to where if I'm on the treadmill, I'm getting everything and i got off the treadmill and i walked over i don't know off to the side to get a bottle of water sounded completely different because the music was going in another direction i wasn't getting you know so i was just like wait that's kind of you know it was the middle of a song so it's just like it kind of flipped yeah and i'm like that's a big difference uh so um yeah so, let's not let's not glaze over you use a treadmill well um I what I do is I I throw the Doritos down to the end and I just sit there. I wait for them to come down to me. I uh, say, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it's like if you just flick them, right? That's the only movement I got to do. To where if I'm eating them, I got to dig out of the bag. A lot of movement. And you so know? You, it's it's well, you're working for them. Yeah. Well, I'm not really working. I'm just flicking them, and the belt brings them down to my mouth. I just lay there. Blah, 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 blah. It's like that Howling a Horror episode yeah. on The Simpsons yeah. when he goes to hell. And they yeah. got his mouth, and they're, they're feed, feeding him. And you hear more, 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 please. Yeah. All right. So apparently, my life resembles a Simpsons episode too. Not long with ah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, more. If the shoe fits. Yeah. I used to know a girl um, who bartended, but looked just like Mo. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, I always said I wouldn't do her. Um, you and my Jake cousins, are you? But uh, 
anyways, uh, the baseline. Uh, so call my name. Uh, the baseline is during the second verse. So I wrote usually like the second verse, the piano is real prominent. And you usually always focus on that to where, you know, I'm suddenly hearing the bass lines along with that piano. So yeah. that kind of stuck out. Um, you know, obviously, if you got a good stereo system, those sirens at the end will make you piss yourself a little bit if you're driving. Yeah. So be careful. Um, with Eddie, and again, like I said, there's all, you know, and then one thing you, you know, if you're out there listening to these and you notice stuff, you know, post comments and let us know what you're hearing. Uh, the Bless guitar, you. the guitar solo, there's like guitar or keyboard. Or it might be a combination, mixed both, but it's it's um, higher in the background. So where you hear the solo, you actually hear the rhythm behind it a lot more too. I yeah. you know listen to I can't quite figure if it's guitar, keyboard, or a combination of both. If it's keyboard, he's trying to emulate more a guitar sound. You know, and in the studio it don't matter, but maybe. Jeff and Brad are there soloing. What's Fitz going to do? All right, I'm going to do this. You know, it's definitely not the bass. It's something yeah. else. And, you know, well, I can make, you know, this rhythm as almost like a guitar sound. Um, so that's what I kind of noticed from that. Uh, so Can't Find Me a Thrill. So Can't Find Me a Thrill has that Hammond I'm boring, you guys. No, God. I've just been up since 4.30 this morning. I'm just I, tired. I, I, I can't imagine what our listeners are doing. They're probably not even doing something. They're well, probably... if they're listening, they're not seeing it, so no, it doesn't they, matter. They, 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 they fell asleep. They're just waking up right now going, motherfuckers are still talking He's about. still talking about Jesus Christ. So the one thing that was always kind of cool about Can't Find Me a Thrill is sure. it has that Hammond organ sound. You don't hear it a lot. But you know, dun, 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 and you kind of hear him hitting these elongated notes. It's emulating. I don't know if he's using a Hammond organ or with a synthesizer emulating that sound. But um, but uh, coming out of the chorus, uh, you kind of hear it. But I always thought it. I thought this song because I've always said "Can't Find Me a Thrill" is a great song. Mm -hmm. But I thought production wise on Dawn Patrol it sounded thin. Like think about like Eddie and Night Ranger and play rough, like how crunchy and everything is. And I just always thought Can't Find Me a Thrill didn't have that crunchiness to it. I don't know what to how else to describe it. I thought, well, this was the one song I was kind of looking forward to, and I really didn't notice anything that stood out besides a couple of like the Hammond organ, I wish they would have brought up even more in it, but you know, whatever. Um, young girl in love. The thing I basically noticed with that is the bass is higher throughout the whole song. Mm -hmm. Just you know, the bass just chugs along through it. That's my um, one note on um, that this particular song. The key part, the keys are really vibrant. In the, uh, I I don't know the part. I mean, clearly I'm an idiot. Yeah, but... make up your mind, losing all that. Yeah, yeah, that part. That, that, if you. You listen to that. Like I got cranked in my car. So I had it turned up really loud. It's like, man, that is really like you hear it in the back. You always hear it. 
But with this remaster, it, it's really there. It's very crisp. It's very clear. Yeah, I guess I always thought it was keyboard heavy to begin with. So, yeah. uh, you know, I guess maybe I'm looking for stuff beyond the keyboards. So maybe I yeah, well, it's just like, of... it's what jumped out at me. It's yeah. like God, that's very clear sounding. It's very, it's like it, it's like the remasters. You can you can distinctly hear all the sounds very well. Yes, it, and it's that's sound... what I think is beautiful about it. It's like if you sounds if you're like a whole band. Yeah, if you're if you're a bass guy, you could hear Jack. You could definitely hear the bass line. And like I said, as Brent and I as drummers, I mean, I listen and I can hear Kelly, and it's just it, it's it's punched up and it's 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 very wonderful to listen to. But the keys jumped out at me on this song, just because oh. I was I was driving, cranking it up, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. fucking fits, man. Uh, yeah, play rough. Um, again, I, I basically the acoustic. The acoustic chords are like higher than, you know, the plucking, right? So, you always think of that, but right when they first start playing it, they hit a chord, another chord, and you hear that stuff ring out. Yeah, you know, so it's it's got another enhancement to that acoustic part. Now, you know, for the rest of the song, I think it's just louder, you know, a little bit more punchier you hear jack more which i've said on the mo you know rest of these but um and uh now where i was talking about with can't find me a thrill i wanted that hammond organ to be a little higher the other song where they kind of do the hammond organ sound was penny and if you live i mean especially in the verses they bring that hammond organ up so you hear that hammond organ a lot more during the verses than you do um um, in the regular mix, and it, it really like there's a part too. If you listen real close, you got really good speakers, and you turn it all the way up to ten at the very beginning. I think it's Jack, it maybe Kelly, but you hear them go before that first guitar lick. You hear them go, "This is for Ethel," and then they start playing Penny. Gotta, gotta have really good speakers though. That's a that's a deep pull right there. And, and, and they they just legalized legalized weed in Ohio, folks. So. For for those that don't get the inside joke, I remember <laughs> I forget we were talking about songs. I was like, I don't like Penny because even in 1982, who was the fuck? Who the fuck was named Penny? I was like, yeah. it's like it's like writing a song and just calling it Ethel and dipshit over here. It's like I was married to an Ethel. In so, anyways, that's where uh, that that's a nice deep pull right yeah. there. No, I know. I'm sure she. I'm sure she doesn't listen, so she'll never hear this. Uh, Ethel, you know, like how did you scream that name in the sack? Like, oh fuck yeah! Ethel. Never did. Always <laughs> just everything was always babe. Ethel, oh god. Yeah, what? No, he. What do you yell is? Fill her up. <laughs> Ethel. Anyways, Eddie. <laughs> so again, now with Eddie, uh, and if you got really good speakers, you crank it up. Get the EQ right a little bit, a little bit of seven o'clock right there. You know, it's kind of like getting that little G spot. You know what I mean? Probably don't. Um, but if you get that, originally in the first mix, we thought that there were eight crickets, but I'm here to tell you, there are ten. Ten crickets in that opening Night Ranger, uh, little segue there, uh, with them, uh, you know, doing their little thing. So 10 crickets instead of eight at the beginning. Um, so 
between the verse lines, um, there is a guitar lick. I got to think how it goes. Um, uh, who was, uh, the, in between, though, the verse lines, there's a guitar lick. I should have made better notes. Um, that is either more prominent or I didn't pick up at first, but go back, listen to the guitar lick between the verse lines. That's what I wrote down. And the bass line is higher in the chorus. Um, to where if I remember dun 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 night ranger, and when they do that, the the ranger mm -hmm. he hits this bass note and it rings out with them going ranger, which was yeah. never up in the mix. Right. Um so it just gives it a little bit more of a boost. So that was one thing um, I do remember, though I just wrote baseline higher in the course. I do remember it was that he hits that note right when they say Ranger, it rings out with um, them. So anyways, that is. You know, the sad thing is most people, not most people, a lot of people, um, the way they listen to it, they just say, Alexa, play Night Ranger. You know, yeah, and, and again, I mean, listen, hold on, I forgot. Do you have Alexa? Yeah, talking about the contemporary youth orchestra, Alexa, stop. Hold on. Alexa, stop. Now, whoever's playing this, I've just reactivated theirs. That's great. <laughs> Um, so, uh, it's true though. That's how the, a lot of people listen. I to tell it. you what, though, there Big was brothers listening, man. Um, I forget all about it. <laughs> I don't know if it's the newest. So I got two of those things. One's okay. But the other one I got, which I think is a newer version of it. It's got like the screen and that, you know, like the screen and everything. It's not one of the little ones, but the speakers in it were fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was very surprised, but, uh, Brent, can your Alexa hear me? No, because I have this in. Unplug it for a second. I'm gonna say, well, could could you hear her when she went off? Yeah, Alexa, make fart noises. Listen, I got a six year old. I've heard of that mother. Yes, it will. It, yeah, it, my kid will be like, Alexa, make a hundred fart noises, and it will just go a hundred. I'll just say, Alexa, eat a bag of dicks. Oh, don't say that. For this is a child's. This is a. No, this is supposed just... to be. This is supposed to be for children. You're saying Alexa, all that fucking shit. Eat a bag of dicks. All right, you Shoot. guys. All right, let's go to this record here. Alexa, stop. All right, bunch of bags and wee wee talk. Um, so uh, midnight madness. Now, Brent, were uh... you at the? Uh, were you at the store ready to buy this when it first came out? Oh yeah, I had it the um I had it about a week or two after it came out actually. Um because I didn't know release dates real well back then, you know. Well, they may not uh, have known too well either cuz we still don't know when it was exactly well, released, but um there's the back. Um but no, I I remember seeing the Rock in America video on MTV and I went out and bought it like that week. So there is pretty simple, just like the. Uh... When did I get it, Brent? Um, 
think you recorded it off me. The tray is not there. Uh, the gorilla up there is Mark Newman, Tartek for Brad, and I think that's Bruce Cohn there, the astronaut, their manager. All right, so reissue credits. What do we got here? Anything new? Um, again, it's Jack Blaze, Kelly Katie, Brad Gillis, John Van Ness. They do the the um uh the uh the new interviews. <clears throat> we do know some of these names here um on the original credits that they think. Uh, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons. You remember those Whoa! guys? Yep. Um Glenn I remember Hughes. I was floored when I saw that when I was a kid. You guys want to rock in America? Glenn Hughes um, from Trapeze and Deep Purple and Sabbath. A lot of things. Did Sabbath, yeah. Uh, he sings the high notes on He's Still Rockin' America. I'm pretty sure they paid him in oh, narcotics. I, th- um, I feel like you told us that once before. Yeah. Um, Jesse Harms, who uh, keyboard player for Sammy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we talked about this in the Kelly interview or if it's something later, but he was the keyboard player in Rags, which was Kelly's band. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah we San talked Fran- about that. Okay. Um, hey, I have to step away for a second. I'll be right back. Just talk talk about me. Sammy Hagar. Um, and then uh, Shuggy. Do we now know who Shuggy is? Shuggy is uh, Jack's Blade's mother-in-law. So the booklet again. Um, now this time they got the right photo here. Midnight but, Mass. But living... not on the back. They have the Dawn Patrol photo. Is that Dawn Patrol? Yeah. It's... Okay. Um, yeah. We got a picture here of Bradley playing the guitar. Um. Again, they talk a little bit about, you know... Eh, maybe not. Um, um, you know, with Rubicon and stuff, they talk about, you know, Boardwalk Records and Dawn Patrol. You got Jeff Watson there. Um, they talk a little bit about, you know, with Boardwalk going under, um, how they got, you know, the deal with MCA and they honored the Boardwalk contract. Um You know, but they talk, you know, a little bit about how MCA wanted them to go right back into the studio. I mean, this record was released less than a year, you know, after Dawn Patrol. They probably could have got a little bit more out of Dawn Patrol, but again, MCA signed oh. them, signs them. MCA wants, you know, a record on their, um, on their label. Coincidentally, so, that back photo is from that. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't think it was a Dom, as Dom Patrol I, photo. Still, but I, I still think it's Dom Patrol. Well, it's probably from the era, just because anything taken before the Midnight Madness record yeah. is going to be... Same with all those pictures, you know. Yeah, but uh, That's Day on the Green, if I remember right. Well, definitely the Jack one is, and the Brad and uh, Kelly. Yeah. Um, I would assume the other two are, but uh, just kind of hard to tell there. Um. So they talk. They talk here a little about you know Glenn coming in to sing. Uh, they talk a little about writing. Um, he still rocked America. 
They talk about Sister Christian. The real problem for Keggy, though, was getting the song's ending sorted out. So they talk about the stuff they had to do there to get that. Uh... Here's a shirtless Jack Blades uh, for all the uh, ladies out there. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, didn't they have some of this album already recorded when they recorded Dawn Patrol? Well, they, I don't know if they had it. Or well, they had songs written. That's what it was. They I'm had sorry. them demoed. They had, yeah. yeah. You had Don't Let Him Run and you had Sister Christian demoed. You had a Diary of a Madman, which had some components of Touch of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but other than that, you know, I mean, people have said they, you know, not Night Ranger, but other fans, like, well, half the album was written. <clears throat> There's nothing really documented out there from them, even in this you know thing here, that it was. Yeah. I know for a fact you can still rock in America was not. They have talked about they were it was after a show, Jack saw a magazine about rock is dead, and he wrote that you know song in a hotel room, and I think he even says where it was. So that was after Dawn Patrol. Rumors in the air. You know, there's nothing to say, you know, that, that's never come up. Same with why does why does love have to change? None of that's ever come up during Dawn Patrol or anything. Like that. Sister Christian, we know that was um, demoed before Dawn Patrol. Mm-hmm. Touch of Madness, we know pieces of that are from another song, but it's more lyrically than music. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not like you're really, you know, it's like it's taking that song. To me, it's a new song, and he had a couple cool lines, and he threw it in that. Passion play, never. Um, a bit, uh, when you close your eyes, they talk about writing that in the studio. So, or not, yeah, I think writing, you know, they're, they're at a studio. So I don't think that's during Dawn Patrol. Right, you're not going to have that studio time, you know, to dick around. You're going to be recording what you've had on demos and there for a while. <clears throat> so that to me was written, probably again for Midnight Madness. And there's an interview out there from Japan where um, they all talk. It's all five of them, and they talk about Fitz writing the chorus. Now you don't hear that anymore. You hear right. stories of. You know, Jack playing on a piano and a producer hearing him. You know, that's the story now. But I'm just saying it's all five of them. Early 84, right? Yeah, early 84, Japan. And it's all five of them. And they talk about that song. And they talk about Fitz bringing in that chorus. So, you know, whatever. I don't know. But, uh and then Chipping Away, we know Chipping Away was written at the very end because they needed another song. Kelly doesn't like it. That's already been in an, an interview somewhere, so that was not written. Now, Let Him Run is the other song. That was actually the first song I think Night Ranger ever wrote. Um, I know they've all said that, but I know Jeff has said it really recently in an interview somewhere yeah. I wrote. So Je- uh, Let Him Run and Sister Christian. And uh, Maybe I mean I don't. Uh, I guess I can go back here to this first CD booklet and see what I know they mentioned it. Um, I don't know. We had a name Ranger. What I think uh, what also helps, I guess, keep that 
thought or that rumor or whatever you would call it alive is that you know sonically and lyrically these these two albums sound very similar well you got to remember because you know, it makes you makes you get that feel that they were kind of all written in the same little time frame well, they because were. there's a, there's a big change when you go to seven wishes well they were you well, have... I'm saying that's that's what kind of keeps that like maybe these songs were all written in one big not, not all of them, mm-hmm. you know, but like some of these were held back to say, hey, you got to do a second album, put that on the second album. You got to think they probably started really writing 1980, right? Yeah. 81. Record in 82. Don't do a lot because remember, Brad's gone a lot of 82. They're trying to get a deal. Brad's gone. <laughs> so. You got four years. Well, really, not even that. From 80 to the middle of 83, 80, 81, 82, middle of 83, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. All these songs were written and produced by the same guy. I think that's a big thing as well. Hey, do me a favor, Josh. Get on your little blower there. Just text Jack and. <laughs> Kelly and just ask like just out of curiosity. I'm just just us talking, guys. Just us. <laughs> How many songs yeah. were held over from Dawn Patrol to Midnight Manus? And you then know, uh, we'll think... have an we'll have an exclusive right there. You would get three different stories. Well, that's, that's true. That's yeah. the best well. part. Then we can um, there's your side, my side, and there's a truth. Um now here's I want to hear from you. Now here's a cool like you know, part of the you know, everything is you talk about Seven Wishes being really different. I remember talking. I don't know, again, where it was at. It's recent, though. Talking to Jack about Seven Wishes. And I think it was Jack. Maybe it was Kelly. I don't fucking know now. Um, but they were talking about Pat's mixing of that record. Um, of Seven Wishes. Because they brought it up to him. And he was talking about how all the other music was out there. And he also talked about mixing it for radio. The mixing it for radio, I mean, I wish I I think it was Jack, but I just remember mixing it for radio was what like was the phrase quoting Pat Glasser. Yeah. And they now there's a story out there. They've it's been an interview before. They got the first, they got the yeah, you know, the copy of the record that was going to be released when they were in Japan and they did not like the mix. All right. That mix wasn't what they were expecting for Seven Wishes. But um, like I said, the part that I never really knew was, you know, it was Jack saying, you know, bringing it up to Pat. Well, why does it sound like this? And, you know, he did he go, me, you mean sounds awesome? Why does it sound awesome? <laughs> But uh, I mean, it does sound different, but it was mixed for radio. And I mean, I don't know if you can really argue with him. I mean, the, it had two top 10 hits and a top 20 hit, and it was their biggest record sales wise. Um, but uh, yeah, well, and I was referring a lot more to not necessarily the sound, the sonic sound of it, but like the, the, the writing. You know, I always looked at the first two albums as they were these great, dark, gritty, haunting you know passion play dark you know south side of town play rough touch of madness those type of things and then you get to more of a it seems uh a happier seven wishes was kind of more you know 
Hmm. Well, I remember D. Snyder. Not, not in a bad way. I'm just saying you can see there's a there's a distinct difference in the two yeah. albums, the three well, albums. D. Snyder, I think it was once said. You know, he talked about Twisted Sister, and he's like, he goes, it gets harder. He goes, you know, I'm living in a shitty apartment with my wife. Yeah. I'm trying to feed my kids. Right? You have different outlooks on life, and you're playing shitty clubs and dealing with shitty people. Five years later, I'm a millionaire. Yeah, it's hard to reconnect with that sometimes. Now I don't really know, you know, Night Rangers the same way, but I would say one thing that has to do with that is um, where what's the saying? You have your whole life to write your first record, the first album. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, those first two records were so back to back, and they did withhold two songs, right? Um, Let him run and Sister Christian, to where um, you don't have to write as many. And you're doing it in such a short time, it's almost like all that is your first album, right? Um, to where now you're you're touring constantly. All right, make this third record. I mean, we're lucky. I think we got a quality record like we did. Um, you know, you've got three of the, you know, I mean, the amazing thing is so many bands would have Sister Christian and when you close your eyes and would rest on that, fade away after that. We got three more big hits after that. I mean, I, I tell people the reason why Night Ranger really plays the places they do is because of that record, because it kept them in people's minds yeah. for another two years. I mean, Night Ranger was still on the charts in 1986 because of Goodbye. I mean, Goodbye was the last single. So, I mean, think how long they rolled MTV. Yeah. 84, 85, 86. So um, I I get what you're saying. I think yeah. they attempted to do that. I just don't think it worked. This boy needs to rock. It's I like it. It's not great. Great song. What? Uh, Night machine. Yes. I, li I like it. It's not great. Welcome, welcome. Um, I I love. I will follow you. But if I was a producer, I would say I love that song. It's not going on the record. I, I can't have that song on there with Sentimental Street, Goodbye. You know, yeah. you know, I can't have all that. You know, it's like now maybe they had a, a heavier song and it wasn't as good as Night Machine and This Boy Needs to Rock, which I said are just average kind of, right? So maybe it's like, all right, well, fuck, I'll stop with that. I would just say, you know, I mean, you don't know deadlines, right? You can't tell them, go write yeah. a fucking uh, a, a rock song. I mean, Seven Wishes rocks, but it's not like a rocker. Um, you know, even the rock songs, Faces, um, I Need a Woman. Like, to me, like, I Need a Woman is trying to get gritty, and it's just, like, a little bit too much, right? Now, Kelly's vocals save that fucking song, but uh, I, you know. Yeah, but it doesn't I, have that, like I was saying, that feel of the first it two albums. It doesn't, it doesn't have, have the, it doesn't have overtone. that organic feel. Right? right to me it's like oh we need some heavy we're really good at the ballads we need to get some really heavy songs and to me like i need a woman night machine this boy needs to rock they don't cut it like rumors eddie you know those right. songs right um but uh but i digress um so yeah, let's get back uh, to that Hey, shut the fuck up, Fair Turbo. Uh, I'm just trying to steer it steer back. <laughs> You're just trying to stay awake. So uh, you still rock America. <laughs> first thing I noticed was the bass slide. Right? That was the Midnight Mass is the first album I put in. So, you know, dun, 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 
Doom. You know, yeah, usually slide. you just hear, you know, the drums, but you hear the bass slide and you hear him going all mm. the way down the fucking neck. Um, and then, you know, Fitz keyboards obviously are higher, but especially the two bars going right into the chorus. Um, you know, because usually you hear, you know, rocket, 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 right? And then you just, you, and you, you kind of hear Fitz's keys, but you just kind of, gloss over and with this is rocket 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 and then you hear dun, dun. you really hear him hit these two notes and you know a little bit of sustain then you can still so you know it's like there's a little gap in there and you know you really hear what fits is playing i just uh, well to echo right. that you yep. hear yeah i'm choking i'm dying over, i'm dying over here i got a guy um, choking on pepperoni and a guy <laughs> choking. I, I just have the lung capacity um, the keys that you know, Eric played us that on in the keys that want that when he's he's kind of mimicking the guitar, but da 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 da. It's so prominent, and Brent, I'll tell you if you haven't done it, and and this, I I almost called you. You listen to Rocket America, you get towards the end when they're just you know, you can still rock just playing the chorus out. Listen to Kelly riding the cymbal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you think he's just riding you, dun, 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 just eighth notes, right? Every now and then he's like, ting, 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 ting. Just listen, and you could, you could hear his ride so brilliantly. And and you know, again for you and me, I'm like, God, that's awesome because you just think when you, especially if you're learning a song, you're just you know, oh, he's just riding eighth notes, and dun, 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 dun. but if you listen close, he's he's bouncing the stick a little bit here and there, and it's 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 there. Now you would have never heard it. But this this remaster, yeah. it's it's so rich and it brings it up. And I was like, I, I made a note like, make sure you bring that up when you're talking about this specific song because I just it caught me uh, on that massive cool stereo system in my Chevy Cruze. <laughs> Nothing but There's, GM's best. Now there is a song up here that I mentioned some drums on, so it'll be interesting to see what, um, what you you know got to say about it but uh rumors um perfect song like you know the the opening when it kicks in now before the verses but like you know it starts out you know with brad's guitar <laughs> and then it kicks in and you got fits and the guitar and the bass like i almost swore i heard like a second keyboard like huh. line in there very faint uh, but I listened to it again. I listened to it on the other stereo system, and I, I still don't know if it's if I'm just hearing shit. It seems like there's something else there. But anyway, it's something he's doing with his other hand, you know. Well, that's what I thought, but it's it, to me, I don't think it is. It's almost like a set. It's, I don't know. I need to talk to Levy. Text text Eric real quick. Yeah, Levy ain't gonna fucking know. Um, and then the guitar scats on the um, especially on the second verse, um. You can hear that pick and yes, it's just, it's it's just like in between, you know when Jack's singing, you just uh, you just hear it's, it's it's like a little just scat. a little groove. Yeah, it's just you know I call it like vocal scats, but it's with a guitar. Um, but those are really prominent. And then Jack's bass line number one throughout this whole song is enhanced. But and some of Jack's best bass playing that you could hear in the original mixes was this song. So it's even more prominent. But uh, Jack's bass line coming out of the um, solo into that third verse is just phenomenal it's like shit 
like I've heard it before, but I've never heard it like this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I also it showcases Jack because I think Jack always gets kind of pigeonholed as just like a one note bass player, just you know, just hammering a note. Mm-hmm. But if you listen closely, you can actually hear he's playing bass lines and he's he's very good. Well, and, we, and we know from Rubicon how good he really is. You got to remember, you got two guitarists there that are phenomenal and when, you know, they can play great rhythms. And then you got Fitz, right? Yeah. So what if you didn't have Fitz, I think Jack would be more all over the place. So, you know, Jack just lays a groove that dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 that literally is the bass line for the verses. You know, you know, used to call yeah. me by my first name. Dun, 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 dun. That's just Jack back here. Plus, that's why you can use a thumb pick. For but it's nice because it's 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 fat and it just lays there, uh, kind of um, like Josh. Hey, oh, yo, give me those, give me that Dorito treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll be here all night. So, uh, why does love have to change? Uh, the group, one of the best songs that uh, Jack Blades ever wrote to Kelly Keggy sang. Uh, Fits in the verses again. That's enhanced, especially during the second verse, um, and then like the, you know, the bridge. I guess maybe going into the solo, as I take another drag off a cigarette. That part, you know, what I'm talking about mm-hmm. the guitar in the background is playing a cool riff that I've never really picked up on. <laughs> so just that, you know, hearing that, like, holy shit, they're that's been going on the whole time, and I yeah. haven't paid attention but because you're because it's a really cool wait no that's that's uh that's a different song yeah no uh hold on why is love had to change hold on uh that's a cool part too that's chipping away right yeah yeah okay well they do the same thing it's the same thing why does love had to change it's a little bit you know usually what happens is you have verse chorus verse chorus yeah it's what kelly's singing it's but in and why does love have to change and chipping away it goes verse chorus verse chorus bridge it kind of leads into the solo they do like uh um god damn it what's the uh well you got uh, the great the great riff too that but you got what but when they stop singing and it goes gets ready to go into the guitar solo yeah they're both yeah well it's right before that it's the uh yeah i know what you're talking about um it's a hard way to go. Yeah, that part. To the left when the feeling yeah. show that part that the you, you kind of always heard that guitar in the background, you know, just doing. But there's a lot more to it mm-hmm. in this mix. So that's the part that uh, I like. I don't know if bridge is the proper term for that, but um, just leading into that solo uh, was very um, prominent. Uh, but you, could dist- you could distinctly hear the two different tones in those guitars at the same time. Oh, I mean, the solos, it's amazing. But to me, like the guitars on that song were always prominent. So it's just, but even you can better. really hear it. It's like you're in the room with them. Well, speaking point. of it being in the room, Sister Christian, the dun, 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 very beginning, like you, you used to, to me, you always heard the notes but you never heard like the echoes, right? Like after you hit the note and you let it sit for, you know, yeah. a second or two, like you really hear that. And it's almost like you're in the room. Uh, so um, that opening part of Sister Christian and then the buildup that dun, 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 like when that kicks in, 
you know, it's already a, a fucking awesome, but you know, great speakers in this new remastered, it's just fucking coming out at you. Um, and then the bass line in the chorus to me has been brought up a lot to where it's like, holy shit, that's a whole new element. Um, so the bass line in the chorus, and um, and then at the very end, um, dun 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 dun, sister Christian all the time, and the guitar, you know, wails. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Say, but you're motoring, yeah, yeah, motoring. And the very last uh, note that piano plays, I swear, you know, John Van Ness or whoever fucking turns that up. That last note, you know, because you hear the piano, dun, 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 dun. That note right there just to me is so much higher than the rest. Yep. Um, And like you can almost like, feel fits hitting the damn key right i don't know it's just i don't maybe i'm fucking on crack but um i got I me mean, i do have a podcast on night ranger so you know the evidence is probably convincing of that uh touch of madness perfect song <laughs> the beginning riffs um i you know we talked about the spooky sounds right eric levy was on one of the great episodes we had where he's like uh he's talking about the spooky sounds behind the verses of touch of madness and it's something like maybe subliminal you always knew was there but then after eric mentions it right it's all i yeah, fucking you, hear you hear it yeah spooky sounds so i'm expecting like the dun 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 dun, 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 dun. maybe before they get to the verses like the keys will be brought up i was actually surprised that it wasn't so it's one of the things as uh, it wasn't there but the spooky sounds during the verses if you never heard them before you're going to hear them now you know, so just listen to the verses. You hear these, you know, synthesizer noises, as Eric calls them, um, uh, spooky sounds. And then in the solo, the keyboard, you know, you got that awesome touch of madness solo. The keyboard is back there doing the rhythm, mm-hmm. and you can actually hear him holding the notes out more, not just playing the notes, but holding the notes out. So they brought that up. And then at the end, there's that awesome Brad Gillis guitar solo. To me, it had a lot more bite. Um, but then the bass, you actually hear Jack's playing a lot more at the end. To where I was, you know, kind of like, shit, you know, I didn't know all yeah. that was there either. Yeah. Um, I think one of the coolest ones, and I know a lot of people like the song, Passion Play, the the wind. Yeah. You know, the you, you hear the wind more mm-hmm. and you hear it longer in the song because you know, it it does go down in volume, but the you know it's already so low in the mix that you think it ends a little bit before that it does. So in this, that wind actually continues almost until Jack starts singing. Um, but yeah, that the wind, you know, if you got a good set of speakers, you know, you think you're in Wizard of Oz or something, you know. Um, yeah. So that was you know really interesting and uh and. Right before the verse starts, there's either guitar feedback or a keyboard note that made me turn my head at my, you know, I was on the treadmill. I looked over because I heard that and I'm like, I've never heard that before. And it's it's a real high note. It's just a single note. I need to go back and try it. I listened to it again. I couldn't figure it out. If it was if it was guitar feedback or like a, a note on the on the keys, but it's right before 
Jack starts singing, you'll hear this one note, and it's just extremely loud compared to how it was. Yeah. You know, but it almost sounds like feedback, like enough to where it's like, you know, is there, yeah. is something happened over there. Um, again, the bridge, the keyboards, and um, the guitar plucking. You hear him actually playing individual notes on the guitar um, to where I think that was kind of way in the background. And then the solo, I just, you know, again, Jack's bass is higher. So you hear, you know, I don't know who's, who's a guitarist. Is that, is that Jeff on Passion Play? Um, but uh, whoever, mm. um, uh, you hear behind there, um, yeah, you hear a little bit more of the bass. Uh, and then uh, when you close your eyes, that opening riff, I mean, it's such a great oh, opening riff. Yeah. It, it's put, but the symbol just so. Yeah. But it's right me, there. But yeah. to me, I'm actually hearing Jack play, you know, to that opening riff. So like Jack's playing really came out. And then the second part of the first verse. So the first verse, you know, it's a little bit softer, right? You know, what do you do when it's falling apart? And then it kind of kicks in a little bit when it kicks in. Um, listen to the guitar there, you know, you always hear focus on Jack's, you know, voice and strangely enough on the original version, more of the keyboards. Right. Yeah. But there's some guitar plucking on that second part and you just hear, you know, I would assume Brad, but maybe Jeff, um, doing some individual notes on the guitar. And yeah. you know, I'm sure there's guitarists out here that are watching and, well, listen, they can tell us a little bit more what's going on once they listen to it. But like I said, when I say plucking, I mean, they're not playing power chords. Right. They're it's ding, not, ding, it's ding, not yeah. a solo. It's them doing just some small individual notes. Now, this was. um, Basically stuff they don't need to do, but they're doing it anyway. Yeah, it's just it's just a little bit, you know, enhancement. And it, to me, you know, it was a little bit lower in the mix. And you're just so into Jack's voice. And Fitz is really the one keeping the rhythm that you kind of don't hear it in that original mix, but this time it's brought up. Um, and this was the one that had a little bit of drums. So the drum crash going into in that first part of the chorus, I just felt so the, um, and I felt it was more the second chorus. It's like to me, the drum crash, you know, uh, Dun, dun, dun. You know, I don't know if I can't remember if it was more into like the Chevrolet part. I, should, uh, I feel so much today. Dun, 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 dun. I don't, you know, somewhere in there, it just seemed like, and I listened to it like for the third verse, and it didn't seem as prominent. Now I went back and listened to it again. I'm like, am I hearing shit? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, but to me, it was it was the second verse. So it's kind of like one of those things where, okay, you know, maybe it's kind of like. You don't hear it as much in the original mix, but, um, you know, if you're doing this for radio, nice and smooth for the first chorus, right? Really hit it home in the second chorus. And then the third chorus, you're taking it home, you know, nice and slow again out. So I don't know. Um, it just seems like the crash sound, you know, wasn't as prominent during the first and third, you know, courses, especially the third, it seems like you'd hit the, you know, you can hit a crash and it can ring for a while, right? Depending on how you got everything mm -hmm. set up. To me, it's like you hit the crash, especially during the third course. Um, and you hit it 
and almost immediately that sound's gone. Right. Right. Well, that's what a crash does. That's your well, ride symbol, you know. Well, it's not a ride. I don't know what maybe what, you know, but you know, where you hit a crash and sometimes it could echo it rides out. out. Yeah. Yeah. To where in this, especially to me, like it rides out and is a little bit heavier in the second verse. And the third verse, it's, it's like you, you hit it, it does it, and it's like it's gone. Um, so you guys can be the judge of that. Um, sorry, excuse me. And uh, pepperoni. And then what's cool is uh, at the end you get to hear uh, the some of the greatest alternate lines of a Night Ranger song. When you close me behind, I don't know what's cool about it, right? You know, I'm. When it's it, when you go to sleep at night. No, when you close me behind. Yeah. I always. Well, well I know. I think it could be anything. I mean, it's when uh, you go to sleep at night. Do you dream about maybe me? Maybe it is, but also I, I know it is. Well, and then a, when you close your big brown eyes. Well, they got that. Oh, it's green eyes. It's big brown eyes. It's green eyes. Anyways, oh, big, um, include your big blue, blue no green blue blue green, eyes. See, no, see, he. Was I saying, think it's brown. It's 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 green. When you close your yeah. big brown eyes, yeah. Do you, do you, do you still dream? dream when you're up, me. when you're down, when you're wild, do you dream? Yeah. No, singing again, Brent. I got you, motherfucker. Big... Singing. <laughs> yeah, but I, that's what yeah. I always that drove me yeah. crazy about that song, because they're still singing it as it's fading out. And I want it to end like it does in the concert, because you know, I always wondered oh, what else would it. Yeah, yeah. Well, she closes her big green eyes. Big. Um, now, speaking of closing songs, I only coming from I, a guy who says um, Boba Fett. I, uh, uh, I uh, <laughs> had to think about it. Um, I didn't go back and listen to it, so maybe I'm just imagining things. But you know how songs kind of fade out, right? Chip it away, I swear it kind of fades out, but then it just dropped off. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever noticed that before. Like, you know, Chipping Away is another song that fades out. But if you listen to it, like, you know, when you close your eyes, it has a real nice fade. Mm -hmm. And like to me, like Chipping Away. So I had to go back and look at it. Maybe I was just doing something else or the dog was pissing me off or something. But, um, but speaking of Chipping Away, Jack's bass thundering, uh, through that song is probably the biggest enhancement and the keyboards during the solo um is probably the biggest enhancement i've heard on that and then let him run um the synth notes are higher to where i usually you're always hearing that acoustic guitar the you know that acoustic little riff well you know uh fitz is kind of playing playing a little bit of you know the filler and I think it was obviously lower in the mix, and I think you're obviously listening to Kelly and and the guitar a little bit more. But the parts that that Fitz is playing is a little bit higher. And then I noticed the bass notes during the chorus was higher, which is kind of you know on par for everything else. And then listen to the outro, the very last, very end. There's a bass mm -hmm. note, um, and again, I think it's kind of like Sister Christian, where I said that they. Kind of ended it, you know, track, you know, side A with that piano note and they really pumped it up. There's a bass note at the very end of Let Him Run. And you you distinctly hear it. Like um, the song's playing 
And then all of a sudden that last note is it's just one note hits and you can feel it in the room a little bit. Like, all right, they turn that up a yeah, little bit it. just for that last note of the song on the you know last song of the album. So it'll be interesting what other people think. Uh, maybe I'll post my notes somewhere and people can tell me yeah. I'm crazy. Because you, you do, you think sometimes like, am I just hearing shit, right? Am I wanting yeah. to hear shit? I don't know. Um, I definitely wanted to hear you and uh, Andy sing there, Brent. Um, it was like I had my own little Jack Blades and... <laughs> Kelly Kagi there. You know, um, the, the tone deaf twins. Exactly, yeah. I need auto-tune yeah. to, just to speak. The only thing that um, made it better is if you guys are both singing that had your your finger in your ear trying to get when the... When you close Hold on. big brown eyes. Oh, baby, do you still dream about me? When you're up, when you're down, when you're wild. All right, ladies, you wanted them. Here they are. Three yeah. overweight, slightly balding men. One has pepperoni in his. And <laughs> we all had the same shirt on. Yeah. We all uh, got the memo. Yeah. And hey, listen, if you pay for, uh, you need to go to the fans, fans the... in motion, only fans, only fans in motion. <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway, oh, the takeaway Christ. to rock candy CDs, the only fans in motion is wow. that you're going to get what you expect, expect out of it. I'm bringing it back in. It's yeah. going to go somewhere really dark. Yeah. We're going to see who has the big, best pancake nipple. It's going to um, really surprise you. You will hear things that you didn't expect to hear. Um, they just did. Yeah, Josh hears green eyes, so. Well, he, what was the other verse he said we're on? Uh, what was I said? Uh, as you, uh, you I did just listen to it. He does say brown eyes. You no, it's green it. eyes. It's brown eyes. Pull it up on your to, phone right now. We'll you go talk. To sleep. Listen, listen. What I did got, you say? Go I to got, sleep. At, it's go I to got, sleep. I got, I got Brent to sing the entire last <laughs> course because he thought it was green eyes. And you know what's funny is I'm pretty sure he sang blue eyes too. You sang blue eyes. Yeah. He sang yeah, blue it's, eyes. It's, it's, it's brown eyes. Brown eyes. It's, it's green. It's green lavender. But uh, you said when you, but I said when you when go you, to sleep at night. And you said close, it's what? Close, I think it was. I. What I say? Close. <laughs> hold on. Just pull it up and listen to it real quick. When you go to sleep at night. There's, there's no, now, now you got me. Now, now you got me singing that. There's proof uh, right here. All you can do is just listen to it. Well, let me pull up the. You got to get to the uh, about five sec, ten seconds left in the song. You'll hear it. Yeah, it says the live version on. You'll hear a bunch of. Or <laughs> yeah, it's when you go to sleep at night. I know. Um, and then it says big green eyes. I just showed it to you. That don't mean it's right. No, it's, right it's there, green. You just said it. It's green eyes. So your green blue eyes. Just listen to it. I don't care what the paper says. Listen, I know it's fucking brown. I'm fucking with you. Christ. Um, but you know, and I always thought that well, I think Brent, you just said it like like you know when you close your big brown eyes that would be like why wasn't that somewhere more in the song right because it's such something it's, you it's, look... it's building at the end it's, it's like yeah, a throwaway thing at the end You're yeah. like, you, that, that was never mentioned i need more yeah. to this story jack because i remember the first time i heard that i think it was live on tv when i heard him do it live and, and, I'm I'm like, always, oh, that, and that's I always, that's different i always wondered too like 
you know, just knowing my relationships, right? Like, you know, you write that song and you come home and, you know, Molly's there. She gets the record. Who the fuck is Angie? Uh, it's just you know, a name. Yeah, I bet it was, wasn't it? Well, no, it's just it was just a name. Huh? Who the fuck had brown eyes? Uh, you don't like my, you know, hey. like, yeah. Um, so he's probably, you know, hey, listen, um, we got to tone down that brown eyes. Yeah, let's, let's change something. Let's you, you, know that. Who, you know who didn't worry about that conversation was Doug Figer of um, the Knack with my Sharona. Didn't care that he was screwing his best friend's um, wife or girlfriend. Told yeah. everybody. Well, what just real quick, what threw me off there just a second ago, Josh, is when you mentioned Molly, my second ex-wife is named Molly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, the fuck was he there when he had these conversations? <laughs> Throw, you're throwing me off, man. I forgot Jack's wife is Molly. Uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah. Good stuff. Good times. I'm the Ross of this group, by the way. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's right. you don't ba- watch Friends. Ross Valerie, Ross Valerie of Journey. I wish. No. I wish I could oh, get well, we do, we know who the Steve Perry is over there, Mister Brent <laughs> Pipes Walter. Oh, I don't want to be Steve Pipes. Perry. <laughs> Steve Perry, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I got to see a Steve Agu Aguilera. I'll, I'll go. See, uh, maybe maybe I can be John Cain. Ah, ah shit! Cramp. Oh ah. yes, it's there. It's been two years oh, since no. he, he, he left. Get back here. Bring those big brown eyes back. <laughs> here we are cheering on the cramp. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm muting my mic so I can hear him. At least bring it back over where we can hear you and see you. This is bullshit, Andy. <laughs> Remember the first time that ever happened? <laughs> People love that. We need to have this more often. He would just hydrate. I mean, he's, look, see, like here, hydrate the whole fucking time. I, um, I absorb the pepperoni. I think it's gone. But you guys are or... both. <laughs> Sit down. We can't see you. Oh, my God. Are, are you flexing when you're doing that? Okay. Are, are you flexing it and tightening it up and screwing up? Well, what got him going was he's talking about. His ex-wives, Penny and Molly, and yeah, you look flushed. God, hang on. You all right there, Turbo? Damn, oh, that hasn't God, happened in a long. I got to stand up. I can't sit down. Son of a bitch. Do us a favor. Do it for your listening fans. Sit down. I, I can't. We... I, Just you know, try I'll... it. Just try it. I'm about to flop in. There. I got a drum set right next to me. I'm going to hit my head on the damn thing. Well, we'll talk about how remastered it sounds. And God. Like, oh. You can really hear that crash. Holy shit. I told Josh, I said, I, I'm going to mute my mic so we can hear him screaming in the background. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever deal with that, but fuck, it just came up. I'll get Ooh. it when I'm sleeping every now and then. I haven't had that happen since the original days of the podcast. That was like, I said, it's taken two years to get another one. Oh, my God. I, I can't sit like that. Like I'm sitting with like my, my legs tucked up under my chair here. Do it again. Then I'm trapped. So I'm, I flip. So listen. Anyway, it's brown eyes. You need to get on the treadmill, and then I just eat. <laughs> and and then do this. No cramps. I just eat my Doritos right out of the bag. I don't even fucking act like I'm exercising. 
Man, Doritos, such a metabolism killer, but so fucking good. Now I have found with Doritos, if you just go back in time and just get the regular nacho cheese, yeah, they're not laced with cocaine because apparently, like the the purple bag, those motherfuckers, like you can't stop. Fucking pur- whatever that purple <laughs> flavor is, man. Is that the taco? No, it's not taco. That's what like is spicy that? chili, maybe. Spicy nacho. No, I yeah, even the spicy nacho ones, it's like you can't put down. And then you get like the regular nacho cheese one that as a kid we all fucking loved, right? It's like almost eating cardboard now. You know, it's like where's that fucking cocaine taste or whatever they put in? So I the now best is when you get the one at the bottom that's been sitting in the tub or collecting all the dust. <laughs> God, I've never seen that look in Brent's eyes. And and <laughs> you pull it out. There's like, <laughs> and you pull it out, and you can Aww. see, you can see it, and you know it's gonna, it's gonna coat your tongue. Yeah, oh, his wife's <laughs> gonna walk in with him with a coated Dorito jacket. And it. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Why, what, why? Does that, what does that Dorito have that I don't? <laughs> Nacho dust. Well, why? Why is your dick all orange? <laughs> but uh. Again, yeah. yeah. So Doritos are bad, but if you want to stop eating the Doritos, just get the bland, regular flavors. I, I thought you were left-handed. Cocaine and Doritos—they treat you the same. Yeah, they do. They set you up for a nightlife. With the green eyes. Um. Forbidden, all right. Well. Uh. So. Dorito. All right. If you're still listening, um, we appreciate it. Uh, I gotta piss. I gotta go hit the treadmill. Apparently, I gotta walk this off. You, uh, you, you have as many issues as we do. Um, So listen. Go to the Facebook page. Join Fans in Motion. There's actually some people out there that find us on YouTube and don't know about the Facebook page. Almost ten thousand members. So join and be the ten thousandth, and you will win a free subscription to the only fans in motion page um yeah yeah um more um, hot dorito talk and uh less uh, screaming oh right. we gotta lead the episode off with andy just screaming and getting up and running away uh, but uh also we got the uh, instagram out there go find us on the old uh instagram but uh then i, I gotta there was something wrong with the website so i'm an episode behind on like the spotify and the zoomify and um itunes and all that stuff so uh, but we're all all the episodes are there go to fans of um all the episodes are there as well um uh, if you want want we still got a few of these white fans of motion shirts if you want to show your loyalty there's brent's kiss alive 2 logo <laughs> hey you know we got plenty of josh i'll send them up to you plenty of the Rock and Pod fans in motion stickers. Well, listen, we're going to need them, so <laughs> uh, keep them around. Uh, but we got uh, the next you... Rock and Pod is not until 2025, by the way. Oh, well, these yes. are definitely going to be outdated. Um, but uh, what else? What do we got? But yeah, joint go fans in motion Facebook. You get more Night Ranger than you ever needed. And if you're out there listening, go leave a comment on the YouTube. Go subscribe to YouTube number one. But uh, leave a comment on YouTube or on the Facebook post of what, if you got these, what you hear, what's different. You know, you may say, hey, you guys are fucking full of Dorito dust and I don't those hear high on your own stash. Charlie horses. I don't hear yeah. shit. Um, oh, you know, and they'll even hold up their little ghetto blaster, you know, and say, listen, I don't hear nothing. 
be like uh, uh, in your eyes, man, from uh, Say Anything. So there you go. Uh, join us next week as we uh, take a deep dive into George Jones and Merle Haggard. CC Waterback from the album Taste of Yesterday's Wine. Really good. My man. favorite episode that we've ever done. That's a really good fucking record, by the way. Um, but uh, all right, Brent, say goodbye. Next week we uh, we'll break these down. Oops, we can't, can't see, see it. it. God dang it! I see Kiss, and that's it. I see Gene and Paul. All right, that's Brent's goodbye. Andy, say goodbye. Bye. I can do my Don Dokken. We're going to Hawaii! Yay! I got mail. He says, on the Don Dokken. You got mail? I got mail. On the Herman's the German solo album, there's cramps. a song called "I'll Say Goodbye" that Don Dokken sings. He goes, "I'll say goodbye." How was that again? Bye. All right. On that note, I'm trying to get you a clean one there, Josh. Later. Run for your life. There's a movie that's playing. I told me.